Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We've been dealing with the subject on, on stages in, in sonship. Amen. Our, our general theme is firstborn sonship. And... Um, we said, for example, that in Galatians 4, let me just quote the verse to you. God said this to, um, through Paul to the churches at Galatia, Galatians 4, that so long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, but he has needs of tutors, guardians, and managers until the time set by the father. So you can have, a, you can have, a, you can have an heir, one who is an heir has an inheritance, right? He's privy to the estate of his father. But the father cannot give the, the estate to his child, who is the heir, simply because the heir is a child. No child gets an inheritance. They're too immature to handle and steward the inheritance. So Paul would say this, your inheritance is always held back until you can mature. I would dare to say this then, and I say to my, myself as well. If then you are not stewarding aspects of your prophecies, the promises that God has made to you by now, subtly it is telling you, you haven't grown sufficiently to handle them. And it forever will be held back from you until you, you grow up. Everyone say, we are sons of God. Now the word son in the New Testament is, is used generally. So you're going to have to know what Greek word is used wherever the word son or child is used in the New Testament in, in order for you to know what level of sonship God is alluding to. Because, listen carefully, the firstborn son is Christ Jesus. And Romans 8.29 says, He wants to be the firstborn son in, in us. And we must grow up into Him in all things, Ephesians 4 would say. So what is the standard for firstborn sonship? It's His image in us. He wants to be the firstborn son in, in us. The word Sunday in Romans 8.29 is euios, which implies in Greek culture a mature adult, mature enough to handle the estate and the sense of responsibility of his father. Okay? When you said yes to the Lord and you came into the kingdom and you, you, you were saved, you were a baby, you were nepios, right? And you must desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babes, brephos there, same as nepios, that you might grow thereby. So you started your journey in Christ. Listen very carefully. As a babe, right? As an, as an infant. And God expects you to grow from the nepios position. The next level we discussed was Pidon, which is basically a young, a young child. It's used of, of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, where it says, And the child grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God, and in favor with, with men. Okay? Then you come to the place where you are a... A technon, and I just want to briefly recap this. We dealt with technon quite some detail. Wednesday evening, okay? Technon is one. In terms of how the word is used in the scripture, who has legal status as God's valid son in the kingdom of God. As many as received him, John one twelve, to them gave he the power to be called the. Sons of God, the technons of God. Legitimately. That doesn't mean, listen carefully, at the point of reception, that you are necessarily technon in terms of some of the character traits of a technon. But the word is used, you will be technon because you have a legal status in God's kingdom. 
So I'm saying that to say this. Sometimes this word is not used in terms of a descriptor of where you are in terms of the sonship growth process. It's simply used as a legal term to validate your status, the fact that you are a child, you are a son in the kingdom. Do we all understand? Okay? So please, because we are Bible school students here, we love the Word of God very much. Don't over-apply the technon uios distinction in portions of Scripture where the use of the word technon is not meant to imply an inferior state of development. It is sometimes only used simply to, to define the fact that you are legally a son of God. Amen? Now, if you are saved, and you know you are saved, and the person next to you is, tell someone you are legally a son of God. You. Don't let anybody fool you into, into not, into not um, for you not to believe this. Right? So, for example... Jesus would say, let me just give you a few, a few scriptures. We looked at a host, right? Remember when they, they lowered that paralytic down? They took the, um, the tiles off the roof. What's the first thing Jesus said to that man? Son, technon, your sins are forgiven. A technon is one who knows his sins are forgiven. He has entrance into the kingdom. Amen? Don't allow the enemy... To instill guilt and condemnation in you that you are not God's son. Amen. Your sin has been dealt with. Your sin has been dealt with. Amen. And, and David said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Amen. So tell your neighbor you are blessed because your sins are forgiven. We also said, this son, listen carefully, this son. Now you're growing in the Lord. You start to live an overcoming life over sin and the expression of practical righteousness. I won't go through all the scriptures because of time. Number of scriptures to illustrate these points. We also said the son starts to flourish in his love for others. He really starts to flourish in his love and he starts to develop a reciprocation in terms of his love and his trust towards his heavenly father. Okay, there's, he's been the recipient of great love as he's been developing in God. And now for the first time he starts to reciprocate and express love and affection to his father. But also, yeah, he starts to flourish in love. Everyone say flourish. And the reference was Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, where Paul says, Be imitators of God. Little or beloved children, beloved technon, imitate God and walk in love. Right? So he writes to, to sons of God, which are technons, and he says, you technons, start to imitate your father. So what does the technon do? The technon starts to imitate God, his, his father, and he starts to flourish in love. That's why I appreciate the emphasis of the reading this morning. Flourish in love. Start to... Let love characterize all of your dealings. And I'll, I'll share with you later. You must love not as you love yourself. That was an Old Testament requirement. Right? Jesus redefined this. This is a new commandment I give to you. Love one another now as I have loved you. You know, that's, that's a high standard for love. Not so? You see, if we apply the Old Testament standard, there are some people that don't love themselves. So if you say love each other as you love yourself, the person that doesn't love themselves is valid, is, is legitimized not to love. Because the standard is, I can only love as I love myself. But the Lord said, a new commandment I give, love one another. How? What's the standard? As I have loved you. And how did he love us? Listen carefully. He gave his life for us. When you displayed no ability, no propensity to love him back. That's a big one. Question. I'm serious with this congregation this morning. Are you prepared to go to UOS? Yes or no? Come on, talk to me. Are you prepared to go to maturity? Yes or no? Then I'm demanding of all of you 
to love one another. Not like you love yourself. You must love Julian. You must love Claire. Not like you love yourself. You must love her as God loves. That will take every excuse out of your head. Not to display affection. Not to forgive. Not to embrace. You love as he loves. That's a challenge for me. And how did he love? It says, when I was without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, his love was demonstrated like this. His love, he loved when the recipients or the objects of his love could not love back. And he loved to demonstrate to them that they will not only be the recipients of his love, but having then received his love, they are able to love. So first John would say, it's not that we love God. It's that he loved us first. There's always someone that's got to act first. Now, let me just say, what, what I'm talking about now is a UER standard. But it starts to, everyone say flourish. I use the term flourish because it's Sam Solun's term. He said, the technon starts to learn. And this thing starts to grow in him. Right? So someone can kill my son today. I don't wish it. But I think I'm at the place in God now. Where in the next second, I will look at the person and say, your sins are forgiven you. I got no time to hold one second of a grudge, one second of anger, one second of, of, of bitterness, my responsibility. You see, yeah, the UER son, the mature son, operates as his father would. Yeah, the technon is still responding to him as a, as a growing, developing son. But when you get to maturity, you always ask yourself, how would my father do it? Repeat after me, love one another. As I have loved you. I don't love as people love me. I love as God loves. If you are only going to respond to people the way they treat you, you are still at a lesser, lower level. You know, the Lord was saying to me, Randall, how serious are you about your inheritance? Because only when you get here, so long as you are a child, the things are held back from you. But the moment you get here to Uios, I will open everything up to you. Amen. Now, okay, I'm going to jump. I'm going to leave Nianiskos for another study. I'm going to go straight to Uios. Because this, I, I really believe, is the emphasis of the Lord for us. And I'm not going to follow the notes systematically. I'm just going to be prophetic this morning and follow the leading of, of the Lord. Now, you see... The Uyos is a mature son. Is a mature son. And for those of you following your notes, it's point D. But the Uyos son, this Uyos son, excels in love. Love is the defining, the defining characteristic of this son. He represents his father well. God is love. Repeat after me. God is love. God is love. So if this Uyos wants to be like his father, he's got to be the epitome of love. I want to say it slowly. If this Uyos son wants to accurately represent his father well, he has got to be the epitome of love. The icon of love. The standard of love. If I can implore anything of my sons in the Lord is this. I have great joy and delight when I see how you love one another. John said it like this. I have no greater joy than to see that my, my children, my sons are walking in truth. Contrary, there's nothing that ails me and pains me more. When I see sons intention in relationship and there's opportunity to express how mature you are and do the thing contrary to the flesh and then still to stand back and see a son not doing it. That 
kills me inside. It destroys my rest, destroys my peace. Why? Not in a negative sense. I worry for where the son is in his growth. You know, let me say it like this, brethren. Every opportunity of a negative experience in your life, especially in reference to relationships, is an opportunity for you to demonstrate where you are in your growth in sonship. So guess what? If someone does me ill in a very bad manner, speaks all manner of evil against me, can do something so horrific, uh, the ultimate grave sin, a, a grievous thing to me, that thing in my world, listen carefully to me, becomes an opportunity for me to demonstrate my maturity in God. It'll either showcase me as the mature son, or it'll it, it reveals to me how immature I still am. And let me just say this. You can have all the reasons under the heavens why you legitimize and justify your actions. But before God, it does not stand. God says to you this morning, for you, my son, I want to see one thing and one thing only. Are you going to demonstrate just how a son you are to me by loving others, not like you love yourself? You see, because if you love others as you love yourself, it implies you react to them based upon their treatment of you. You know, if some of you are God, we are all in trouble. Hmm? If I was God, possibly also. I still have a long way to go. I'm not speaking as one who has arrived. You know? And you know what uh, we've been discussing? It's, it was amazing. For the past three weeks, this has been the topic of our Wednesday morning forums at the Dialogues on the Apostolic. And it's not my turn. We have turns to administrate for a month the meetings. I did not decide this. Rosh Peters was administrating the discussions for the past few weeks. And she felt in her heart, we need to do this. And it's been phenomenal. Right? Now we, let me just say this, brethren. The things I'm saying to you, the sense of conviction came upon us as grown men, pastors, sitting around a table, talking around, talking about the fact, pastors, are we still nepiots? Pastors, are we still pied on in the way we act? Even one to another as bruise. Eh? One thread that is consistent throughout every phase. And I want to encourage you, my sons in the Lord, those of you, read my material that I email to you. Take the time. A lot of time and investment goes into this. I do it painstakingly. Jules and, and Renee are my witness. A document is sometimes redone ten times over before it's emailed. This morning I got up with a, a profound thought at five in the morning. And adjusted a whole segment of this. So it's, it's, it's always being upgraded. But here's my heart toward you. If you study each phase. And let me just say this. I think in my own estimation... This series is probably the most important we've ever done. You know why? God is saying to every single one of us, God is saying to every one of us, if you are still here, and remember we said, if you are nepios, you are given to strife, quarrel, tension in relationship, unforgiveness, bitterness. Paul says, so long as the heir is a nepios, he differs no more than a slave. Right? I don't know about you, but I'm serious about my inheritance. I want it desperately. I want it badly. I'm absolutely serious about growing in God. And you know what? Let me read the scriptures to you. I'm going to read three scriptures. It won't be too long this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? They will be called what? The word sons there is euios. Just stop right there, brethren. Let me just say this also to you. I won't have time to read uh, 1 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You must read the whole chapter. Take a note of it. 2 Corinthians 5. And also you must, you must study the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 6 and 7. 
If you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you will come to this conclusion. The conclusion of the matter is this. Perfection in God is 99.9% of the time defined relationally. So it's very important you understand this. Maturity in God is 99.9% of the time defined relationally. So Jesus says, those that hate you, bless. Those that use you, bless them. Those that do all manner of evil against you, do what? Forgive them. And he says, now be, this is the Beatitudes I'm quoting. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. And he ends it by saying, now be perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfection is always explained within the context of you relating to others. Perfection and maturity is defined relationally. Okay? Is defined in a relational context. It is pointless being blessed even with wealth and materiality. And you're blessed of God, but you haven't matured. This is another, I'm not talking about material blessing here. I'm talking about your representation as, as father. Let me just say this. If this grows in this house, and let me be so blunt as to say, this house has known testing. This, if ever, it is sometimes I often ask God, Father, why did you put me here to father these people? And I say that lovingly. Because I love every one of you, and you know that from my heart, right? And sometimes, it's almost, the, I'm talking about the recent past, the recent few years, one issue flares up, it's dealt with. Another issue flares in somebody else, totally different, it's dealt with. Another family, an issue flares up, it's dealt with. And I'm saying, it's fine for each of the individual families, it's just your issue, and you're over it. But for me as a father of everyone, it's something I have to consistently engage as a father in the Lord, okay? And ensure that the whole house, the entirety of the house, is kept the culture of love, culture of forgiveness, culture of respect, culture of honor, is consistently held. At the bedrock of me, I'm concerned, what about the purpose of God attendant with this house? For I know if the house is compromised relationally, purpose is aborted. Then all we do, we are social club, that gathers every Sunday morning. Right? But I don't want that. Amen? Now, haven't you noted? Now, sons, I'm talking to you as sons. And those visitors that are with us this morning, you can relate to this in your own experience. Not so? Right? And, you know, it's, it's the Bible says, those that are less comely among you. In the, in the chapter about the body, where Paul talks about the different body parts, and he likens it unto the church. He says, those members that seem less comely in your eyes. So let, me, let me say it like this. For some here in this context, every one of you think in, amongst this whole group, you've ranked people. There are some people who are important to you and others that wouldn't even feature in your mind. And you've, you've ranked others with great honor and others with Less honor. Now, let me say this. We are as strong as our weakest link. And Paul say, Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, those members that are among you, which you deem less honorable, you must now start to consciously bestow the greater honor. For then you will be the family of God. Hmm? I do this now in Thamo circles with our family when we gather as pastors. Train my mind. Because there's a lot of us. The family is big. When we gather for sun fellowship, we fill that room at our falls. There's no place literally. Like sardines, we packed in there. And you relate as ministers one to the other. And even for me in that context, what I consciously do in the breaks, I go to find my brother that I don't know too well. I go to find and sit next to the one who is not so much featuring in the limelight in the family. I take the time by a tea. How are you, brother? How are things going? And I've urged this congregation to do the same. Remember I said to you, break 
the predictable pattern of your lunches and teas. You will find the same people eating at the same meal, sometimes talking about the same issues, right? If you are still there, I'm asking the house, upgrade, brethren. Upgrade. Break the cycle. Here's a challenge. This challenge was issued about a month ago. Have you obeyed it? I'm asking every single one of us, deliberately go out, out of your routinely established fellowship times and reach out to Ashley sitting there. How many of you, I'm using you as an example. There's a brother sitting there. How well do you know the brother? Right? For some of us, we have, we have favorites and we become sectarian and schismatic in our thinking as a father. And please, if any, if ever you must obey me, it's today because it's Father's Day. <laughs> okay. As a father, I speak to you. And let me just say this. We, we, we dealt with technon in great detail. Eh? Remember this level? One of the features about a technon son, he starts to walk closely with his father. Paul said this about Timothy, my technon, he copies me, he imitates me. He says, all others seek their own, but not so with Timothy. Right? So if I am your father in the Lord, then follow my ways. Listen to my word. You have, might have many teachers, but you will only have one father. And let me just say this. A brother will tell you something, but a father will tell you something else. And you have to listen to the voice of your father in the Lord. It's very important. Do you know there's, a, there's an issue in the book of Philippians, not Philippians, Philemon. It comes to me now. You know the story, eh? Who wrote the book of Philemon? Paul. Who is the book of Philemon written to? Philemon. Or Philemon, as some people say. Philemon. Why did Paul, amongst many reasons, write this letter to Philemon? Because of who? Onesimus. Here's his brother, Onesimus, that was Philemon's servant. And he did Philemon unjustly. Right? Did him harm. As his slave or servant in his house. He ran away from Philemon's house. And in the process meets the apostle. Paul comes into the kingdom and starts now to, to grow as Paul's son in the Lord. But Paul also has a relationship with Philemon. So he writes this one chaptered letter. Read it tonight. He writes to Philemon. And he says, Philemon, please accept Onesimus my son. Please take him back. And Paul says this. Paul even jokingly says, oh, by the way, you have a debt to owe me. I don't know, some, something happened in the past where Paul uses leverage and says, you owe me one, bro. Right? So Paul says this concerning Onesimus. He once was unprofitable, but now he's profitable. Let me just say this. Onesimus, or rather Philemon, did not know where for Onesimus was in the spirit, in his growth. So Philemon was still harboring an historical grudge over somebody who in the meantime has made leaps and bounds. And only Paul knew that view. So he writes to the brew, one brew to another brew. Philemon to Onesimus. The one brew He's got issues with the other brew. It takes a father to come between them and say, receive him now because from your perspective, unprofitable guy. But I know from a fatherly position, he who was unprofitable has now become profitable. So accept him. Right? And Paul was so bold. Paul said this to him. Philemon, I know you will do this. And he makes the statement, and you will even do much more than I ask of you. And I'm begging you, sons, it pains my heart to see tension, unforgiveness, the subtle, subtle semblances of schisms and sectarian fellowship groups within the house. One of the facets of the UEOS, he learns to embrace the whole house. You see, because, you see, I'm father. Let me stand up here. I'm over the house. You are sons, you beneath. Okay? Let me just use, okay, Lynn, come. I can use Lynn because she's my niece. 
Okay, Lillian, let's say, is a developing son. So, look to me, talk to me. Okay, she talks as a son to her father. Come stand up here. But you know when she gets to Uwea, she stands alongside her father. The relationship still persists. It's still father-son. But now she is not one just in the house. She's over the house. And her concern as a son is, my father has a burden for all his other sons. I might have, just go to this group, over this group, I might have my certain core to which I'm close with. But the father, I must, my father embraces everyone. So the Uwea son comes into this position where he begins to function and he demonstrates this. He showcases this. You know how I did it last time we went to Santon for the POA? We traveled in the car with uh, three pastors and we got to the place where we were sleeping. And I was an overnighter because we just slept overnight. We went to the POA and we drove back the following day. And it's part of my own expression. And these truths were really mulling my mind back then. And so without their knowledge, I paid for all of the accommodation. Got up very early in the morning, paid for everyone. And uh, they, were sh- they were all like taken aback on our, on our departure. They were wanting to pay and all, it's all taken care of. Now, I'm not saying let this be a financial thing. All I'm saying is start to demonstrate that. Let me just say this. If my father was there, if my father, Thamonide, was with us, not one of us would have been allowed to pay for ourselves. So what, does, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to think, how would he act if he were here? Two brothers. So I embraced all of my, all of my brothers in the Lord. Amen? Question, son. Would, would you do this, people? Would you at least try? I know it's hard. But let me just say this to you. Unless... You grow in love. You're not going to grow in maturity. Your perfection is defined in reference to how strong you are relationally. I want to quote two verses of scripture as we close. Matthew 5, 44 says the following. This for me, if you ask me, if you ask me, what is your favorite UER scripture? What's your favorite characteristic of a mature son. I would definitely quote Matthew 5 and Luke 6. Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Everyone say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be what? Sons of your Father, who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on evil and good and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous note in this verse all men are represented the righteous and the unrighteous the evil and the and the good everyone say all men so all men are represented now what read the scriptures carefully he says love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you now, yeah, is the thing that really gets to me. So that. You should underline the words, so that. So, I must love my enemies, pray for those that persecute me. What? Everyone say, so that. So that, listen carefully, I will be called the Uios. The word Uios is used there. I will be called the, the son of my father. Can you see how God estimates maturity? When your enemy, and I want to encourage you all, no matter where you are in your growth process, I said this to you also, growth in these stages is not a function of time. It's not because you're long in the kingdom, it means you are advanced in this. You can be a short time with God and fast track these stages of development simply by your willing cooperation and obedience to God's demands. Amen? I want to ask you again, brethren, my sons in the Lord and our visitors, how desperate are you for your inheritance? How serious are you for your inheritance? You see, we started releasing these truths, and guess what? 
the Lord started testing us relationally. Hey? I would say to you, after hearing this, me, I'm going to buy a gift for my enemy. I'm going to pavilion, I'll buy a gift for the brew, a gift for the sister. Why? I want to do, let me say this, be bold, be courageous, do something outrageous to yank yourself out of the mindset, I'm only going to bless those who bless me, only those who treat me right, I will respond. But here's someone who did me bad. Here's my response. Everyone say, I'm a son. I'm a son of my father. Think about what the implications are. If you do not love, let's quote the same verse in the opposite. If you do not love your enemy, if you do not bless those that are busy fighting you and persecute you, so that you are not the son of God. Sad, eh? Sad. Your sonship in him is expressed by how well you treat everybody in your world. The righteous and, it's not just in the kingdom now, it's goes to the world. It says, because he who is father, everyone say father. father. He who is father causes the rain. Does he say, I mean, when it rains, does he say, okay, wherever the righteous are, let it fall. He says, no, rain on everybody. Let everybody get the blessing. That's a father, right? And I, I commit to you this morning as a father in the Lord on this Father's Day. I will father every one of you. You come to my house. You engage me. You get the same treatment as everybody else. Irrespective. Even if you've committed the gravest sin, when you come to my door, what you will know is the love, the acceptance, and the forgiveness of your heavenly Father manifest through me. And I'm asking everybody. Paul said this. We dealt with this on Wednesday. To the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians. He says, copy us and the Lord. Imitate me, mimic, copy my ways and the Lord. Okay? Look at my example and copy me. For so you will be sons of your heavenly Father. Last verse, last five minutes and then we'll close. Luke 6.35 Love your enemies, do good and lend. Expect nothing in return. I want you to underline that. Expect nothing in return. Now here's the thing as we close. Expect nothing in return. Now listen, this is a great scripture. For your reward will be great. And you will be what? You will be sons of who? Sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind even to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. Now please, your attention here, all of you. It's the same passage from the Beatitudes from two different gospel writers. They're saying the same thing. They're referencing the same discourse of Jesus. But Luke adds some things in it that get my attention. So he says, love your enemies. Same like Matthew. Bless those that persecute you. But he adds this in. He says, lend. Do good to all men. Righteous and unrighteous. Then he says this. You do so expecting no reciprocation from the one that you level this love and mercy out to. You know what? Many of us are waiting for somebody else to act first. Me, I stand my ground. They did me wrong. Let's see now. I'll face them how, how, how distant I am. No. I will tell you categorically from the scripture. You are not the son of your father if you act that way. You might be a son. You might be technon. You might be legally in the kingdom. But you're nowhere near handling inheritance of your father. Hmm? This is a hectic message this morning. Hey. You see, when, when he loved us, when Christ loved us, we were unlovable. Romans says that Christ, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And we are able to love because he loved. First John says, it's not that we love God. 
but that he loved us first. We were able to love because he, he loved. In fact, when you do love, you say, okay, you hurt me. You did all manner of evil against me. I will demonstrate to you that I'm a son of my father. I will love you, not even expecting you to reciprocate. My responsibility is one. I only want to represent my father in all of my dealings with men. Righteous, the unrighteous. Can you see this? Because for many people, it's tit for tat. Tat for tit. Right? I do this, you do that. I will only do this if you do that. Or I will do this expecting that. But this son says, especially he's the object of hurt. He rises up and he says, no problem. My response, let me cut it down. Okay, Joash hurt me. And there's tension here and it's grievous. There's some bad thing against me. My responsibility is, I will love you, Joash. I'll forgive. Not expecting that you will do the same to me. As a son, who is my allegiance to? Not mainly you. My thing is this way. I want to make sure in my dealings with Joash, this way I receive, this is my beloved son. Listen to me, brethren. The Bible is clear. It says, for so you shall be sons of your father. You are not going to be a you your son. If you carry on with the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the tension. You will come to, we all corporately have got to come to the place where the father says of us, now I can see. You have gone against everything carnal, every humanistic way of thinking, and you've risen up. And even those that hurt you, you said you are forgiven. And let me, let me just tell you how this works. When you act like that, brethren, the heavens will open over you. The sad thing is this. Joash can hurt me. I maintain my ground, cut off the relationship, treat him badly. Guess what I've just done? I'm the innocent party. I did nothing. I did luto. He hurt me. And here's the sad part. I can harbor all of these things and the heavens can close over me. And God says, I can't call you my son. And yet he who injured me forgives. And he repents of his sin to his father. And he goes on. And yet me, the victim, through an inappropriate response, heavens are closed, but the perpetrator is blessed. Because he sought forgiveness. For, for, for forgiveness. How, how foolish. You know, the enemy is wise in how he crafts things. Sets one up against another. Closes the heavens. Now, let me close by saying this. Luke says it nicely. Matthew simply says, For so you shall be sons of your father. Luke says, For you will be sons of the most... I'm going to quote it again. For you will be sons of the most high for he himself. It says he is what? Is kind. You know, kindness. Basic kindness. To be kind to people. Not to be snobbish and offish. To be loving and cordial is lost today. Our Father is kind. That's why when David had a revelation of this, he says, Your loving kindness is better than life itself. How kind are you? Or what kind are you? Eh? How kind are you? Tell me about what kind. You, you must be kind, brethren. And it says he's kind even to the ungrateful. And then he, Matthew ends it like this. Be merciful for your heavenly father is merciful. But here's the thing. Listen carefully as I close. Give me two minutes. Everyone say mature. Say you we us. I've discovered, it's right to the back of your notes, but don't turn there. I've discovered, whenever this term is used in the Bible, in some verses of Scripture, there's always an addendum afterwards, like son of something. For example, listen carefully. Matthew 13, son of the kingdom. Matthew 10, 6, he's a son of peace. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, he's a son of the day. Means full of light, full of revelation, full of enlightenment. 
in John 12:36, the you are son is described as a son of light. Right? In Luke 20:36, he's described, listen here, he's a son of the resurrection. Powerful descriptors, eh? He's a son of the resurrection. So repeat this after me. Say, son of the kingdom. Son of peace. Son of the day. Son of the light. Son of the resurrection. Now, if you think about it, son of the kingdom, son of peace, son of light, son of the resurrection, the thing that describes the son becomes the son's experience. Son of light, the son becomes full of light. Son of peace, the son is full of peace, the embodiment of peace. Son of the resurrection means immortality is pulsating through this son. Now get back to Luke 6. How are you described when you forgive each other? It says, for then you will be sons of who? Sons not just of God. You will be sons of the most high God. That's, that for me is powerful. It means, it's like Luke, the, the doctor who wrote the physician, he wrote the book of Luke. He's almost at pain. He's trying to tell his writers what ascendancy and what qualities that are attributed to God become attributed to the Son. I'm a son of the Most High God. I start to ascend in my sonship to levels where God Himself sits. I'm a son of the Most High God. Having preached, Paul said to Timothy, that I must do to you. Preach, reprove, rebuke, warn, encourage, console all men. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is sound doctrine. And I'm saying to you, as a father in the Lord, I know where you are relationally. I have a purview, paramic overview of the relationships in this house. And I'm begging you, my sons in the Lord, the thing that will give me the greatest delight is to see a son forgive another son of some of the most grievous acts. And then, listen carefully, I guarantee you, you will start to live under an open heaven. Nothing will be withheld to you. Because the father says, check my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. You are a son, not just of God, you are son of the Most High. Most High. Everyone say Most High. A son of the, of the Most High God. I was so enraptured early this morning, late last night, as I studied, contemplated, writing, also thinking about Nakala. We leave very early tomorrow at five in the morning. Just thinking about so many things. The Lord is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, am I going in open heaven? Will you be with us? Will you crown all our efforts with success? And I had the assurance in me. And I could say, I'm talking about relationally now. I could say what Jesus said. The prince of this world has come, but he has nothing in me to prohibit God's blessing upon my life. Because I ensure in all my relationships with men that we live honorably, that we forgive freely, that we are loving, and that we are kind. Amen? Would you be sons of the Most High? Amen? Would you be mature? So long as you are a child, the, the inheritance is withheld. Amen? Now, as we close, I want to encourage you, do something about it. Tell your neighbor, do something about it. Do something about it. I encouraged you a few weeks ago, get to know somebody else that you don't ordinarily hang out with in the fellowship. I'll talk more to this later on. I mean, we've only discussed essentially one characteristic about the UEOS now. Right? There are seven or other eight things. But this for me is like the main thing. The main thing. Amen? Let's stand together. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Receive the impartation. Amen? Father, we ask in Jesus' name. For your blessing upon this house. I pray relationally, God, that we would be the sons of God in the earth. I ask in your name, Lord, that you would open the heavens over this church.
I know in my heart that you've closed aspects over the entire church because of issues relationally that hurt your heart but injure how you feel about it. I know it because I feel it too. Father, I ask, I ask you give everyone who has heard the word courage to obey. May we obey this word. And may we sense the internal unction and witness. Here you say, you are my son. You are the son of the Most High. Because see how you've dealt with an enemy. See how you've dealt with an errant brother. See how you've dealt with someone that has hurt you. See how quickly you've forgiven. You are my son. You are son of the Most High. You are perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lift up your hands, everyone. Father, we commit to forgive quickly. We commit to forgive and to mend relationships. I pray grace would flood every heart now. For areas where we feel we can't do certain things. In our personality hinders us. Our characters might hinder us. Our resources might hinder us from doing certain things. I pray break all of that, Father, in the name of Jesus. We want to be the sons of God in the earth. We want to be your sons, mature, whole. Break those tendencies, even characteristically in us, God, that forbid us and prohibit us from going forward to obey you. For those of us that are shy and are introvert, break that character trait. Let the power of your spirit cause an activation to obey the things you call us to do with absolute uh, strength, with absolute boldness, God, and with deep humility because you said if we do not love our brother whom we have seen how dare we love you and claim to love you whom we have never seen help us to love one another fervently with a pure heart for in doing so we love you our gracious father we love you father i know the world celebrates father's day lord but you are always father's day for us is every day with you you are our loving heavenly father who loves us and you command of us love one another as i have loved you help us to pass our love tests and so we will be your sons and i declare now that nothing will be held back from us father i declare in the spirit and open heaven over businesses new frontiers new parts to to navigate through and to take a hold of I declare an open heaven over those seeking jobs. I declare an open heaven in terms of promotions. I declare the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it will be your portion. I decree breakthrough for your life, breakthrough for your marriage, breakthrough for your children, breakthrough for your families, breakthrough for the mandate of this church. I ask in Jesus' name, open the heavens over us and release unprecedented blessing i pray father in jesus mighty name amen and amen